It's the last stop on the Avenue to Akershire for Classes 1A through 4A, and we have finally reached the WPIAL Championship in Classes 5A and 6A. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Whippy Whip Around on Pittsburgh Sports Now. I'm Brendan Rossi joining you, and uh, let's jump right into things. Firstly, we'll very briefly recap what happened last week in the quarterfinals and the semifinals around the WPIAL, and uh, there were some upsets, and there were some um, games that pretty much went as anticipated, so let's waste no further time. In Class 1A, we had two games that kind of went how most people thought they would. Bishop Canavan, uh, in an ugly game, eventually came away with the win over Clareton 29-6. to And I'm going to be a broken record by saying that a lot of these games were ugly wins because obviously with the weather last week, what do you expect? Um, The passing game for the majority of these teams was pretty much ineffective. And uh, it was basically just old school football. And Bishop Canavan came away with the win last week against Clareton 29-6. The Crusaders back in the semifinals for a second year in a row. Bottom half of that side, south side, with the 47-6 win over Mapletown. Um, A game in which, of course, I had the call of. And uh, south side just came out from the word go and pounced all over the Maples, ending Mapletown's dream season with a nightmare 47-6 win. On the opposite side of the bracket, we had uh, one of two really big upsets. The first was Union defeating Laurel 30-28 a game in which the Scotties took a 10-point lead in the third quarter and held on for dear life as uh, Union defeating Laurel after the first game. It was pretty much the most competitive conference game, I would say, that Laurel got all season, and Union brought the best out in Laurel and was eventually able to get the better of the Spartans last week. And in the other matchup, the 14-seeded Rochester Rams with a 30-14 win over Fort Cherry. Um, And uh, Rochester back in the semifinals, even though they took a roundabout way, I guess. uh, Took the long way to get there, but they're there nonetheless. So on one half of the bracket, you have 1 versus 5. The other half, 10 versus 14 in the semifinals tonight. I did say that this conference was the best conference in Class 1A, and, well, three of the four teams in the semifinals, and the other team being in the semifinals being the reigning WPIL champions, um, pretty much proving me right on that front. Up next, we go to Class 2A. Not really any big surprises, per se. Firstly, Steel Valley with a 46-13 win over 8th-seeded McGuffey, um, and then Nishanik. In a competitive game with Wash High, the Prexies gave the Lancers all that they could handle, but Nishanik prevails 30-27. to Other half of the bracket was uh, Whitewashes. Uh, we have Beaver Falls over Ligonier Valley 52-0 in a game that, well, I thought I'd seen it all. Now, I know that I'm, young, I'm on the younger side of the WPIL generation, but I have never seen anything like this anywhere. Um, so for those that don't, that weren't aware, the game was scheduled to play at Reeves Field at Geneva College. Power outage. Okay. Sucks. They pretty much pick up the game 
and move it down the street to Blackhawk High School, and the game gets played there. Now, sure, Blackhawk is a stone's throw away from Reeves Field, but when was the last time you've seen that happen? If, if, if anyone knows, please feel free to let me know, but I can't remember, remember the last time this has happened anywhere, let alone in the WPIL. And then in the other matchup, Stow Rocks and Keystone Oaks, a rematch of Conference Foes, and Stow Rocks with a similar result, 50-0 winners over Keystone Oaks. Class 3A, three of the four matchups went according to plan. Bell Vernon blows out East Allegheny 55-7. Freeport with a big win over West Mifflin 42-6. Opposite side of the bracket, Avonworth with a win over Beaver in another conference rematch 28-7. But the big head-scratcher was Shadyside Academy defeating Elizabeth Forward 31-17. to um, This comes after Shadyside Academy last week, or earlier in the season, I should say, were uh, blown out by Elizabeth Forward 42-21. to And uh, suffice to say that pretty much no one saw this coming, I would say, unless maybe you were a Shadyside Academy fan. But I don't know how many people really had this circled as um, a Shady Side Academy win. I know I wasn't one of those people. Um, but credit, Shady Side Academy is one of those teams that's getting hot at the right time. They've now won six straight games. And after losing for the first five games, including uh, three in a row, that was ended with the loss of Elizabeth Ford. And Shady Side Academy, the Bulldogs, are the surprise team in Class 3A all of a sudden. Class 4A, no surprises here. We have Aliquippa with a 41-7 win over Montour. And then McKeesport, the 5 seed, gets away from Armstrong, 41-21, a game that wasn't even that close. And then on the opposite side of the bracket, Central Valley with a 36-7 win over Laurel Highlands. And then you had Thomas Jefferson. Uh, in terms of uh, TJ standards, squeaking by Latrobe, 21-6. Um, it was a little bit more lopsided than the first matchup in which TJ won 31-21. But um, still, 15 points, the difference between TJ and Latrobe. Um, Latrobe isn't that far off from the top of that conference. Um, but unfortunately, the Wildcats season comes to an end against TJ last week. Now we go to the semifinals in Class 5A and 6A. And... Uh, Happy to say, at least for selfish reasons, that I went 4 for 4 on my picks. Firstly, in Class 5A, Upper St. Clair with a 17-7 win over Bethel Park. Uh, a game in which that, in the first meeting, Bethel Park kind of came out of nowhere and shocked the WPIL um, for the most part. Because Upper St. Clair was this heavily lauded team going into that game. And uh, it was the Blackhawks that everyone was talking about, thanks to that running game led by Austin Kai and company. But uh, not so fast, at least last week. Upper St. Clair in a game that, quite frankly, the weather favored Bethel Park big time last week with that ground-and-pound game, whereas Upper St. Clair, they've got some athletes all over the field, but the Panthers were able to beat Bethel Park at its own game. And then on the opposite side, another conference game. Pine Richland with a 23-12 win over Woodland Hills. 
Credit to the Wolverines. Uh, I don't know many people that had Woodland Hills going this far. I had them as a playoff team, but I did not have them going to the semifinals. And uh, Woodland Hills, even though it was a pretty strong season, the Wolverines are starting to get back to that championship caliber that we've known them to be uh, about a decade ago or so. Um, they'll have to wait another year to get to the championship game as Pine Richland gets the win, 23-12. And then in Class 6A, we had a blowout uh, in terms of not so much the score, but rather how the game went. Central Catholic with a 28-7 win over Mount Lebanon, getting revenge from the earlier loss to the Blue Devils, 17-16, a game in which that I point to as Mount Lebanon getting the two-seed over Central Catholic. And Central Catholic, we've, we've said all year long that they've had not quite the success that they've had in recent seasons, but um, after the miraculous win over Penn Hills, things are starting to get back on track. Can they put it all together this week, though, against North Allegheny, who defeated Cannon McMillan 7-0, now, this performance from the N.A. defense is up there for best defense performance of the season for North Allegheny. Uh, 7-0, Cannon Mack held to under 50 total yards for the game, and that's a pretty good Cannon Mack offense um, that can hurt you on the ground with Jake Casper, through the air with Mike Evans and Austin Winkleblack. N.A. just shut that down. And um, whereas the first game, N.A. with just kind of blitzed Cannon Mack. They did it in a slower, more methodical way, proving that North Allegheny can win in a myriad of ways. All right, now we take a look at our Players of the Week, and we're back to six classifications for our Players of the Week. Firstly, in Class 1A, we have Braylon Thomas as our Player of the Week. He was the only WPIL passer to throw for over 200 yards. He had 211 to be exact as Union gets the upset win and probably the signature win perhaps for Union in the last 50 or so years um, and uh, with that 30-28 to win over Laurel. And the Scotties are one win away from their first WPIL football championship appearance since 1973. It's been a minute, let's just say that, uh, for the Scotties. And they're one win away. Kudos to Braylon Thomas and the seniors and the coaching staff uh, for getting Union to this point. Class 2A, our player of the week, is the leading rusher from last week, that being Cruz Brookins. He had another fine performance, 332 yards rushing as Steel Valley runs past McGuffey, 46-13. to Cruz Brookins in the last couple of games has been on a roll. Um, when you look at the last two games, he's rushed for 641 yards. That is uh, a lot to stop. Um, now, Cruz Brookins, I think, is the most dynamic player in Class 2A right now. And he is a serious contender for not only WPIL 2A Player of the Year, but perhaps the state player of the year in Class 2A. And performances like this and the one against Sarah Catholic uh, only back up my point further. Class 3A, our player of the week, is Quentin Martin. He ran for 200 yards, 201 to be exact, as the Leopards get a big 55-7 win over East Allegheny, and the Leopards now one win away from getting back to the WPIL championship 
a predicament in which Bell Vernon, we kind of expected them to be in, considering that uh, Bell Vernon returning quite a ton, even though, yeah, they missed Devin Whitlock. They still have five-star recruit Quinton Martin, who is one of the highest-rated WPIL products in this region's history. And uh, he has Bell Vernon in sitting pretty, let's just say that, going into its semifinal game tonight. Class 4A Player of the Week comes from McKeesport. It's Jamil Perryman as he runs for 246 as McKeesport. Again, with that um, triple option offense, it really benefited with the weather elements coming into play. It really helped out McKeesport in the win against Armstrong, who, of course, is a pass-heavy team led by Caden Olsen. Perryman on the game runs for 246 and McKeesport. Back in the semifinals, they await a similar foe. And Perryman now, he has just over 1,400 yards rushing with another great performance. He's also the quarterback for McKeesport. And uh, we talked in the beginning of the season how Bobby Boyd is kind of the nucleus of this McKeesport team. Um, Add another name to that list, Jamil Perryman. If he hasn't been added already, he's quietly putting... putting together one of the best seasons in recent memory at McKeesport. Our Class 5A Player of the Week is Ryan Palmieri for Pine Richland as he runs for 150 in the win over Woodland Hills. Um, Palmieri, I've said it before and I'll say it again, the move for him has put Pine Richland in contention and in striking distance for WPIL Championship, and Palmieri has been a huge difference maker for Pine Richland, and just the, the performance against Woodland Hills is more evidence onto that debate. And in Class 6A, our player of the week is actually a receiver. This one, he didn't have the the he didn't have 10 catches for 200 yards or anything like that. He caught two passes, and they both went for touchdowns in a 28-7 win. It's Peter Gonzalez from Central Catholic. Gonzalez is one of the best receivers in the WPIAL and in the state of Pennsylvania in the junior class. And Peter Gonzalez, uh, you can make an argument for him single-handedly defeating Mount Lebanon just with those two touchdowns alone as Central Catholic right back in the championship conversation tomorrow night against North Allegheny. Speaking of those previews, now it's time to take a look at our semifinal previews. Firstly, we start in Class 1A with the... One versus the five. Bishop Canavan takes on the Southside Rams. Now, Southside has been a team that kind of flew under the radar throughout most of the season. The defense has been spectacular. Bishop Canavan, on the other hand, has also had a marvelous season, but that was to be expected considering this Crusaders team is returning uh, a ton from last year's championship team. And Bishop Canavan seems poised to make a run for the WPIL and the PIAA championship. But it's not going to be easy to get past this Southside team. Um, Southside, again, it's a team that doesn't really have a standout player. I mean, last week, Ryan Navarro was the standout. He had four touchdowns, three rushing, and had a blocked punt return for a touchdown. Um, and he had the highest rushing performance for Southside last week on the season. Bishop Kenevan has a lot of athletes on the field, though. So if Southside can contain those athletes, then they got a shot. 
Um, until then, though, I still think Bishop Kahneman has a very minuscule edge in a game that's going to be a lot closer than people think. I have Bishop Kahneman winning 24-21. Now, another factor in this game is the location. Um, this game is taking place at Peters Township, and you're wondering, why does that matter? Well, Bishop Kahneman played his first-round game at Peters Township. And as we know, um, the at least for teams that don't have a, a venue set like a Bishop Kahneman, their field technically is Dormont Stadium, but they kind of go all over the place. Um, same thing goes with Central Catholic and some of those other teams. Um, they played their first-round game at Peters Township, which is technically a home game. This is technically a home game for for Bishop Canavan tonight because, again, Peters Township, it's where Bishop Canavan played um, its first-round game. Am I reading too deep into this? Maybe, but it's something to, you know, to look at going into tonight's game. But either way, I think Canavan wins by just the slightest of edges. And then we go to Rochester and Union, two teams that not a lot of people had going this far in the semifinals, at least at the start of the playoffs. Union has got here with upset wins over Burgettstown, a big one, and then last week they stunned the WPIL with the win over Laurel, who was uh, who was my pick at the beginning of the season to at least get to the WPIL championship. Rochester hasn't had quite the success that that they've been accustomed to throughout the season. But this is a Rochester team um, that has kind of bucked the trend, so to speak, and they're back in the semifinals. These are two teams, underdog runs, and uh, right now it's a matter of who has the edge. Well, I think this game goes to overtime. This is another really tight one between two very good teams that – you know the the seating. They kind of they they disregarded the seating. Let's just say that. Um, and out of the teams from the from their conference, I don't think many people had Laurel out, Rochester and Union in. Um, so with that in mind, this is an overtime game, like I said. But I am going with the Union Scotties to get back to the WPIL championship for the first time in almost fifty years. Um, give me Union to win by two in overtime. Up next, we go to Class 2A, the two semifinal games. Firstly, we have Steel Valley versus Neshanig. This is a contrast in styles um, in more ways than one. But the biggest one that I want to look at, Steel Valley has a tremendous defense. Neshanig has a tremendous offense. Um, how will that match up fair? Well, if you remember back in my week nine prediction video, or predictions podcast, I should say, we were talking about Aliquippa Central Valley. I said that everyone was going to be focusing on the Central Valley offense versus the Aliquippa defense, but in reality, the difference I thought was going to be the Aliquippa offense versus the Central Valley defense. Um, this game is going to be decided by the Steel Valley offense versus the Nishanic defense. Which is stronger? I think Steel Valley's offense is significantly stronger than Nishanik's defense. And I like Steel Valley to win this one. But this could have the makings of a shootout. Um, if it does, it's going to be 48-42. If it doesn't, Steel Valley is going to win 48-14. Other side, we have Beaver Falls taking on Stowe Rocks. A matchup 
that um, was another potential prediction for a lot of people in the WPIAL, at least at the beginning of the season. Beaver Falls made the championship game last season, and, uh, well, if it wasn't for the abundance of turnovers, we could be seeing Beaver Falls as the reigning champions from 2A last season. But here we are. They're the runners-up, looking to get back to the championship, and uh, Stowe Rocks is in its way. This is a game that's also going to be very, very tight. Now, Steel Valley Neshanik was a contrast in styles. Beaver Falls and Stowe Rocks, I see a lot of similarities between these two teams. Um, both teams have veteran groups, and uh, they both like to air the ball out a lot. But the the main difference here, I think, is Beaver Falls' defense. Their defense is quietly one of the best in the WPIAL. They've only given up 82 points in 11 games for an average of 7.5 points per contest. It's one of the most slept-on defenses in the WPIAL, and maybe that's because they're in the same class as Steel Valley, who has only given up 6.4 points per game, 64 points in 10 games. Um, Stow Rocks offensively has looked... Very, very strong, but Stowe Rocks' defense, we've talked about it ad nauseum before, their defense is also very strong. They got two shutouts in the WPIL playoffs to this point. 29 nothing over Riverside, 50 nothing over Keystone Oaks. And there have been many games this season where Stowe Rocks, the only reason why the, the scores get run up as much as they do is because of defensive and special team scores. So defense is the name of the game in this one. Whoever can crack the code, so to speak, first is probably going to win this game. But this is going to be a one-point game to me. I have Beaver Falls winning by the slightest of edges um, against a very talented Stowe Rocks team. Give me Beaver Falls setting up a BF Steel Valley championship game. Up next, we go to Class 3A where we have Bell Vernon taking on Freeport in the 1 versus the 4 um, these two teams, conference champions out of the interstate for Bell Vernon and the Allegheny Six for Freeport. The Yellow Jackets have had a pretty great season, all things considered. Um, one of the best, probably the best since the 2015 season in which they made the semifinals before losing to eventual state runners-up Aliquippa. Um, this has this has similar vibes, I think, even though Freeport did have that upset win in 2015 against Wash High. This has similar vibes tonight. Um, Bell Vernon, I think, is a buzzsaw right now, and I think they're going to hum past Freeport. Nothing against the Yellow Jackets at all. They've had a tremendous season. But Bell Vernon is simply on a different level right now. And uh, I think Bell Vernon's going to win this one 49-21. I think Freeport puts up some points. I think they give... Bell Vernon, a decent fight, probably the best fight that Bell Vernon's had in 3A play, but um, I still think the Leopards are going to be too much in this one. Other game, Avonworth versus Shadyside Academy. No one had Shadyside Academy, I think, going this far in the playoffs after defeating Elizabeth Ford last week 31-17, and pretty much anyone and their grandma had Avonworth going far in the semifinals, at least to this point in Class 3A. The only blemish on Avonworth's record was a loss to Central Valley early on in the season. And Avonworth has had 
Um, a pretty dominant run, all things considered. Shady Side Academy playing its best ball. They're peaking at the right time. Is it enough against a very good Avonworth team, though? I say no. I think Avonworth gets by Shady Side Academy in a much more competitive game, um, at least at this point in the season, than it would have been at the beginning of the year. And give me the lopes to win this one. Class 4A semifinals. This is the class that everybody is talking about this week. And it's mainly due to this game. Aliquippa versus McKeesport. Until we get to there, though, we'll look at the other side of the bracket first. Because, quite frankly, I just want to build up the suspense between Aliquippa and McKeesport. The other game is Central Valley versus Thomas Jefferson. TJ is peaking at the right time. There's no question about that. And Central Valley has been a machine all season long. They've ran through everybody not named Aliquippa this season. And with a team that, um, outside of Jackson Tanya and Antoine Johnson, they didn't have uh, quite a ton of experience. I mean, some of them played in the state championships the past couple of seasons. But it wasn't like this is a senior class that has been playing W has been playing in state championships collectively year in and year out. Um, the Central Valley team is very, very good. Thomas Jefferson, again, they're peaking at the right time. They have a pretty lethal passing game led by Brody Evans and Sean Sullivan. Defensively, they got to contain with Jordan Mayer, but I'm interested to see who Mayer is lined up against. If he's lined up against Jackson Tanya, then that'll be a battle that I'm very interested to see. If Mayer is lined up on the edge of the CV line, then, well, could be in for an interesting matchup there. Um, but these are two teams that are that have fantastic coaching staffs. Mark Lyons for Central Valley, Bill Chirpak for Thomas Jefferson. What is there to, to be said about those two that hasn't been said already? Um, they'll be ready, for sure, for this game. Now... Between these two teams, I like Central Valley to win this one, but it's not going to be a blowout that Central Valley has been accustomed to. Um, now, the only close game that Central Valley played this season was a loss to Aliquippa. But um, I think that changes tonight, and I think Thomas Jefferson falls in a close one to Central Valley tonight. All right, now we look at the other Class 4A semifinal game, the one that everybody is talking about. It's Aliquippa and McKeesport. This is a game that has the potential to live up to all of the billing. Now, um, circumstances would have me say McKeesport because last season, you look at the overtime loss that McKeesport suffered to Aliquippa in the semifinals. You know McKeesport's thinking about that. You know that. And um, only common opponent McKeesport has with Aliquippa is Armstrong. That was last week. McKeesport beat Armstrong by 20. Aliquippa beat Armstrong early in the year by two scores. But Aliquippa wasn't playing its best ball early in the season. They've been playing their best ball ever since week six. And um, Aliquippa has been darn near unstoppable in that run. This has the makings of an instant classic, just like last year's game. Everything points to McKeesport winning. But if something has um, been screamed at me and told to me in the past just from the way that Aliquippa plays, 
It's to never bet against the Quips in November. And especially in the semifinals, they've been in the championship game every year since 2008. I have a gut feeling that that will continue. The numbers that I see have should say McKeesport, but my gut is telling me Aliquippa. It's that close. Um, I will say, if this game goes to overtime, McKeesport, I think, has the edge because they're going to be hungry and they're going to be um, looking to avoid a similar result from last season. But if it's regulation, which obviously is more likely, then I think Aliquippa has a slight edge. But whoever jumps out early first, who I think it's one of those games where whoever scores first is going to win this game. The defenses are that strong for both teams. Um, we hear about the trench dogs. The McKeesport line is no joke either. Whoever wins that battle will win this game. Part of me thinks that it's McKeesport's time. Another part of me says don't bet against the Quips. It's one of those things where it's just it's it, it goes either way. Um, if you held a gun up to my head and made me pick a winner, I would go with Aliquippa. So that's my final answer. I'm going with with Aliquippa, but there's so many different circumstances that can swing the game either way. Uh, later on tonight, it's going to be a classic. Whoever's heading to Cannon Mac to watch that game, you are in. I'm sure for a treat. Now we go to tomorrow's championship games for classes 5A and 6A. We start things off in class 5A. We have Upper St. Clair, who for a while was the number one team in class 5A. They're taking on Pine Richland, who without a doubt is playing the best football out of possibly anybody in the WPIL period. Um, If you ask me at the beginning of the season then I would say that Upper St. Clair wins in a runaway. But the way Pine Richland has played ever since the beginning of the season, ever since that N.A. game back in Week 5, this one is close. Does my prediction change from the beginning of the, from the, beginning of the playoffs where I said that Pine Richland wins 5A? The answer is no. I think Pine Richland wins this one. And... Uh, Again, that move for Paul Mary saved Pine Richland's season. There's no doubt about that, regardless of the result that comes out tomorrow. But this is Pine Richland's toughest test since the North Allegheny game. This is a USC team that, outside of the two-week stretch against Bethel Park and Kennemack, has, I wouldn't say dominated, all of the competition because they've had some close games with the likes of Bethel Park, Peters Township, Mount Lebanon. This is a team that has uh, a very talented core led by Aiden Besselman that um, the talent deserves a championship. I don't think there's any question about that. Pine Richland, we talk about Ryan Palmieri, but another person that um, that is going to be a huge difference, Ryan Corey. On that offensive and defensive line, that that kid is a beast on the line. 6'4", 290, probably a lot bigger than that. I would say that he's probably the best offensive line product since Andrew Kristoffic and Michael Kadick. Those matchups between Ryan Corey and whoever the Upper St. Clair um, offensive line is matched up against, and defensively whoever they're matched up against, I would assume it'd be Mark Banbury 
for Upper St. Clair, who's another stud offensive and defensive lineman at 6'2", 275. Also, don't count out Marcus Fennell as well. This game's going to come down to whoever's playmakers shows up more. And I think that Pine Richland has been in a has been set up in a better spot right now, just the way that they've been playing. Not nothing against Upper St. Clair, but just the way that Pine has been playing. I think it's pretty much. Um, I think Pine Richland's going to win this one. I'll just leave it at that. And finally, our Class 6A championship. We have North Allegheny versus Central Catholic. This is going to be a barn burner without a doubt. North Allegheny, for a while, was my number one team in in the WPIL, or at least was my number one team in the WPIL. They kind of interchanged with Aliquippa, McKeesport, Belvernon, etc. But NA, they've won big, they've won close ones, they've won ugly games, they've won clean games. It's This is an N.A. team that's very complete, I would say. The junior class is great. There's no doubt about that. Very complete unit. Central Catholic, I think, has more playmakers um, that when they're on, it's very difficult to stop. You have um, Peyton Wehner, the quarterback, who's been great. You have Peter Gonzalez, the wide receiver, one of the best wide receivers in Central Catholic's recent memory. Defensively, you have Anthony Specka, who's going to be a Power 5 guy in the WPIAL. Central Catholic has more names uh, than NA does, but it's a matter of who plays more as a team. Now, we we know about Central's troubles throughout the season. At one point, we're 3-4 and four after a bad loss to Pine Richland, and things were looking bleak. There was all sorts of turmoil building up, at least on the internet, it would seem, about what Central Catholic was going to do. And Central Catholic has bounced back, and like I figured they would, because it's Central Catholic after all, and uh, they're right back in the championship game. Now, this was my championship, or at least one of my championship predictions um, in Class 6A. The other one involved Seneca Valley, but of course, Seneca didn't even make the dance North Allegheny, um, coming into the season, not a lot of people knew what to expect from them, but um, they've certainly delivered in all facets of the game. Defensively, they're strong. Offensively, they can hurt you on the ground and through the air. They can do a little bit of everything. Now, um, Central Catholic, as I said, with other teams like Pine Richland, Shadyside Academy, Aliquippa, etc., PCC's playing its best football, and um, that extends in the last, well, technically five weeks, but it'd be four games since, of course, 6A didn't have the games two weeks ago. This is going to be a very tight game, but I think the edge right now goes to North Allegheny. Um, It's not easy. I mean, this game... The first game between these two were close. It was a defensive struggle, 7-3 to the final, where Logan Kushner scored the only touchdown in the game. But something tells me that North Allegheny, they've, they're better prepared for the situation, although Central Catholic has had um, a fantastic turnaround to things. NA has been playing consistent ball all year, minus the Pine Richland game. And with that in mind, I think N.A. has a very slight edge 
in tomorrow night's championship game. With that said, that'll do it for this semifinal and 5A, 6A championship edition of the Whip You a Whip Around. Thank you so much for joining me. Follow me on Twitter at Ross2 underscores EYE. That is assuming that Twitter is, of course, going to be still a thing. And, of course, follow Pittsburgh Sports Now on Twitter at PGH Sports Now. I'm Brandon Rossi. I'll see you next time.